Welcome back to Chatterstorm. My name is Josh and I am one of your hosts and I am here with Sarah, another one of your hosts and there is no Sam here today. He doesn't have a voice and he's still asleep. Uh, but <laughs> Sarah and I are here and awake to bring you all of the magic news of which there is a ton. This weekend was the Innistrad Championship that is uh, still ongoing as we're recording this podcast so we won't actually be able to tell you who won it? Uh, we are waiting for day uh, for the top eight actually to the top eight stream to commence. Uh, we also had a new announcement from Wizards about a new digital only format, which I personally am pretty excited about. And the Arena Open was this weekend, giving regular Magic the Gathering Arena players the chance to bag that two thousand dollar prize. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Sarah, have you been watching the Innistrad Championship? I've been watching some of it. Um, because it's like nine hours long every day. And it starts at 5pm <laughs> yeah. UK time. Which means I'd be watching until very early or late, depending on how you look at it. Um, so I watched all of day one between... Well, we had a little virtual watch party for some of day one. Mm -hmm. So I watched some of that Friday evening, some of it Saturday morning, and then I watched a bit of day two, but not a lot of it. Um, because like I said, it's a lot of magic. I love magic, <laughs> but that's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of magic. Yeah. yeah, I had the same experience. It starts at 7 p.m. for me in Crete, and a nine hour stream starting at 7 p.m. is not something that I can really watch all of. So I have tried to keep up with the news uh but yeah I, I can't sit and watch the stream um which is a shame uh but you know even if it was at a reasonable time i am not really that interested in sitting and watching uh this kind of like i do really enjoy enjoy high level magic i, I find it so fascinating to play in and there can be some it can be really interesting content and informative content if you're trying to improve at magic but uh, nine hours in one mm -hmm. go is, yeah, a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, I think even if it was on at like nine or ten in the morning, that would that'd still be your whole day. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I have actually really enjoyed um, watching it, and just like with Worlds, now I just want to build one of the decks, and just like with Worlds, I don't have any wild cards on Arena, so. Yay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll come back to that. I want to talk about that later. Um, but what is happening? What have you kind of, uh, what's been your experience of the championship? What have you seen or noticed that uh, has made you stop to think? Uh, well, I guess I've stopped to think about the fact that I think I want to get into historic, but mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm way off in the wild card zone to be able to do that because I had a little look this morning at building the Selesnia humans deck and um, I have three cards already and no wild cards yep. mm -hmm. and I could put a bunch yeah. of random humans in there but I'm not really gonna cut it but yeah I have yeah, that, that's not really prior to this no prior to this I had zero absolutely zero experience with historic i knew what it was i'd never played it i'd never watched anything about it I wasn't particularly interested in it and i don't know why because it's just like this is probably gonna sound really stupid to people that actually know much but it's like standard with more cards which is great because the one thing i don't like about standard is how often stuff rotates out mm. 
But it's more expensive. Yeah. Well, I guess it's more expensive because you can only play it on Arena, right? Um, yes. So the lack of availability of cards makes it more expensive for sure. Like even modern, you could build a budget modern deck that did something mm. um, that that performed, um, and you could you could play in modern events with it. But historic, yeah, you can't just buy the cards that you need, uh, and so you, you do have to kind of invest a lot of money into Arena. Uh, the problem with historic and why it's so inaccessible is because a lot of the top tier cards are in things like Modern Horizons 2 um, mm -hmm. and are like cards that have been released uh, directly to historic through historic anthologies and things like that. Um, and those are not available for purchase all the time on Arena. So they're not available for purchase right now. Um, and oh. yeah, I don't think you can buy like those packs of cards anymore. And you'd have to spend your wild cards on them. And since mm. you're not getting any of those cards organically by just collecting standard legal packs uh, by just playing Arena, they're yeah they're gonna it's gonna be a lot of cards that aren't in normal people's collections um and so it's quite a big investment of wild cards to build a, a viable historic deck so are you telling me i shouldn't get into historic i think that you should i do think it's an interesting format and yeah i think if you want to play historic you you should but i do think that it's off-putting for a lot of people because you do have to invest a lot into it. Mm. Yeah, which is not uh, like you could just not enjoy it, you know? <laughs> that is fair. And I don't really, I don't want to put money into Arena. Like I'm actually playing it quite a lot more now, but I don't really want to put money into it as in actual money to be able to buy packs to then get wildcards that way. It's not really how I want to enjoy it. Hmm. Yeah, which I totally get. Um, I, I used to kind of think that way too. I do put a lot more into Arena now because it's the only way I can play Magic because I, mm. I don't have access to Paper Magic here really. Um, but the economy is bad. The the Arena, the Magic the Gathering, excuse me, um, the Magic the Gathering paper economy was already pretty bad to be honest yeah um and the arena economy is so much worse uh which we will loop back to because that is going to come into play when we talk about alchemy um mm -hmm. but coming back to the championship so at the moment we're recording this on a sunday um and so we are waiting for the top eight stream to start yeah. now the top eight is going to be historic um and there's a few interesting things that have transpired here um there are a couple of recognizable names um yuta takahashi riku kumagai mm -hmm. and simon gortson are three names that i recognize the other five players whilst i'm sure they're incredible magic players i have not seen them before or i don't recognize their names none of the uh you know, really highly well-known content creator slash players um, are in this top eight. Like yeah. you know, Louis Scott, Ver uh, LSV, uh, Reed Duke, Brad Nelson, um, uh, Andrea Mangucci, 
Gabriel Nassif. None of none of them are in this pool, um, which is interesting. I'm not sure what exactly that says. It probably says that ever since Wizards kind of killed off the MPL, uh, they're all focusing on content creation rather than preparing hmm. for these competitions. Um, and that since they're like, like uh, Kenji Igashira is another example, really strong player, um, professional magic player for many years. Also one of the most prolific magic, the gathering content creators, and he probably makes a lot more money through content creation than he can consistently as a magic pro. And so he spends more time on content creation and less time preparing for events like this. And so it's no surprise that he's not in the top eight, even though he is a fantastic player. These eight guys that are in the top eight, are, they probably still have that passion. And that is the only reason why they're willing to put in the work to get to where they are. In my completely inexpert opinion. Mm -hmm. Do you think any of that, do you think that may also have to do, what am I trying to say? Five of the top eight players are from Japan. Do you think mm. that has anything to do with, like, do you think because the others are focusing on content creation, that's why it's less, I don't know, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I think it's interesting that five of the top players are from Japan and you only know, what, one of them? The one that, Yuta, the guy that just won Worlds? I know Riku Kuma guy as well. But do any of them um, so do content creation? I I wouldn't actually know because if they did, it would be in Japanese, so I wouldn't watch it anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I it's a good point. I don't know whether Japanese content or Japanese Magic the Gathering players have an easier time of doing it full time. Yeah, that's um, that was basically what I was trying to ask in a really awful way. I just find it interesting yeah. based on what you said about maybe people just not being able to get the money from playing professional Magic, then maybe they can if they're in japan yeah yeah i i'm not sure to be honest um there might be something in that but japan is uh unsurprising you know japan and the us are the two kind of uh superpowers of magic the gathering mm. uh, most of the best players in the world come from one of those countries those are the countries where magic has the biggest presence really um now i want to talk about the deck lists because in the top eight, uh, there is three different deck lists. Now, the top eight is going to be historic instead of standard, which is also interesting. I'm not really sure why they chose to do that. Um, I have a theory that off of the back of the Alchemy announcement, Alchemy is going to be a digital-only format. And maybe they wanted the top eight to be a digital-only format like historic. Um, hmm. Maybe they were hoping that some digital-only cards would get showcased here. I don't think any Wait, have. are there any <laughs> digital-only cards out already? Oh, the ones with Perpetually. Yeah. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the yeah. One, in Historic, yeah, there are a handful of digital-only cards. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe, maybe that was the line of thinking. But regardless of the intention, um, the top eight is going to be Historic. And there are three main decks um 
actually am i counting four no uh, yes i'm counting four there are four different decks uh which are going to be played and we will see which one comes out on top so I'll go, i'm going to go through each one and just talk about what exactly the deck's trying to do and what the key cards are um and sarah you tell me which one sounds the most fun to you okay so the first one is Jess Guy creativity which is absolutely disgusting <laughs> um utter bullshit combo deck and it's just <laughs> ridiculous it's ridiculous it revolves around uh this card indomitable creativity which is x red 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 for a sorcery that reads destroy x target artifacts and or creatures for each permanent destroyed this way, its controller reveals cards from the top of their library until an artifact or creature is revealed and exiles that card. Those players put the exiled cards onto the battlefield, then shuffle. Uh, so, essentially, for four mana, you can destroy one of your own creatures or artifacts and then reveal cards from the top of your library, like cascade, effectively, into a creature. Or polymorph, I guess, is, a, is more accurate. Uh, you, you polymorph into a creature. So the deck will play early enablers, uh, things like that make a token or a treasure or something, an artifact that you can sacrifice, cast indomitable creativity, sacrifice the treasure, and then put Sarah's Emissary onto the battlefield. Sarah's Emissary is four white, white, white for an angel. It's a 7-7. Seven, seven. It has flying and... As it enters the battlefield, you choose a card type, so creature, instant, or sorcery, or enchantment, um, or artifact. And you and creatures you control have protection from the hmm. chosen card type. So for four mana, you can get this 7-7 seven, seven flying angel down and give yourself protection from creatures. And it has protection from creatures for, for the rest of the game. For five mana... You can get two Sarah's Emissaries down and give yourself protection from creatures and instants. For six mana, creatures, instants, and sorceries. Hmm. You have three of them and, and you can put like you just yeah. you can just you just can't. Like it's it's such a disgusting combo. Um and it's like it happening as early as turn four is Bullshit. Yeah, it's a really, <laughs> really strong. It's really strong. Um the next deck is is it phoenix now this is a classic is it phoenix is a classic deck that was good when it was in standard it was it's been good in eternal formats um and it's good now uh the it revolves around um arclight phoenix which is uh, a, a three two flyer and if it's in your graveyard then if you've cast three or more instant or sorcery spells this turn you can return it from the graveyard to the battlefield and it has flying and haste so the whole deck revolves around discarding your arc light phoenixes getting them in the graveyard and then playing three instant or sorceries going to combat bringing four of them back and you have four three two flying haste creatures you can swing in for 12 and then you can do it again the next turn um, even if they get destroyed and that's pretty much what the whole deck revolves around um it's sort of a it's just a classic it's i, I guess you could call it combo-y in some ways i think it's more of a tempo deck um with a, a quite an explosive tempo deck uh and yeah that's exactly how it works exactly how it's always worked 
So high quantity of spells and uh, low quantity of creatures, and it always has that four of Arclight Phoenix. Uh, the third deck is Selesnia Humans. So it's this is a your classic aggro deck. It's green white with a bunch of humans and a bunch of human support. You're putting one one counters on stuff. You're going wide and you're attacking and you're steamrolling your opponent. I guess the key card is Collected Company. Um, which is just super, super strong. Three and a green for an instant. Look at the top six cards of your library. Put two creature cards with mana value three or less from among them onto the battlefield. So all of your creatures have mana value three or less. It's yeah. a very low to the ground deck. Um, and so Collected Company is just four mana to look at the top six cards, pick through two creatures and put them on the battlefield. And with some powerful ETB effects and some powerful Anthem type statics, uh, it can be a really explosive card that can win you the game out of nowhere. Um, so super aggressive, super low to the ground. And then finally, Golgari Food. So this is similar to the old Jund food deck. Um, it revolves around Cauldron Familiar and Witch's Oven and sacrificing your own stuff, basically. Uh, the deck is all about sacrificing your own stuff and eking out a very tiny advantage every turn and grinding your opponent down into dust, effectively. Uh, it, it wins through just pinging your opponent. With those, uh, with that cauldron familiar um, and uh, witches oven combo, uh, and I mean that's pretty much it. That's all there is to it. And uh, there's, I think, a, you know, a couple of each different type of deck list, uh, but it's just those four types of decks. Those are the top decks in historic right now. Uh, which one do you think you would play, Sarah? Well, as I said earlier, I was looking at building the Selesnia humans mainly because I thought oh humans like they're all like you said low cost creatures I'll probably have some of those they'll probably be quite easy to build um however I was wrong so based on that it's got to be the Jeskai creativity bullshit deck how could you not because it's disgusting that's why it's great also you play lots of disgusting decks but we'll just we'll leave that there how that's <laughs> great Oh, form like six mana, give me protection from creatures, instants, and sorceries. How are you going to win? That's the point. Yeah, and that's it's exactly. Not, it's not cool. Love it. <laughs> it I want to build not it. Very chill. Um, I think it's great. I think I would play as at Phoenix. That's more my kind of deck. I do like blue decks, though. Uh, and I like tempo over control. So I think if I were to play one of these, I'd, I'd play Is It Phoenix. What I play in Historic is um, Rakdos Control. Uh, well, Ra Rakdos Arcanist. Um, the Dreadhold Arcanist deck, which is with like Croxa, Titan of Death's Hunger. Uh, which we did see representation in this tournament, but didn't make it to the top eight. Which is probably a sign um, <laughs> that I should... That I should take note of um but yeah so that's what the topic is going to look like i think it will be you know i'm actually i'm not gonna lie i'm not all that interested <laughs> um i'm not no? all that i like yeah i'll check twitter to see who won and if it was interesting but i don't mm. know if i'm gonna watch the stream um yeah it's uh i'm not all that interested yesterday i found myself uh rather than watching the championship just watching people playing the arena open hmm. um instead which yeah i just i thought was a lot more interesting 
Yeah, um, it's a lot of magic. I feel like I'm a bit magicked out. Yeah. Like, I think I would have... Like, I, prob- I probably will watch the top eight. I think I would have preferred to have just watched the top eight. Yep, yep, I can agree with that. Because, like... So, like I said, I pretty much did watch all of day one, split over two days, but that's nine hours of magic. And a lot of it I was doing other stuff and I just had it on in the background, but you kind of, I feel a bit magicked out. And I think mm-hmm. if I'd have thought about it, I probably would have not watched any of day one and day two and then just watched the top eight. Not because it's the top eight, but honestly, because it's probably going to be not as long as the other two days and... I guess they're the best players, so it means it's maybe going to be the most interesting, exciting games to watch. That you might learn the most from those games. So yeah, I I agree. And maybe I think I will still watch it, but I'm not I'm not excited to watch it. And I think I would have been had I not have kind of not made myself watch it. But after I watched day one, I was like, oh, I should watch day two, and then I was like, oh god, there's mm-hmm. just so much magic. <laughs> yeah yeah it is a lot um so the commentators do Uh, such a good job they do i I really admire the commentators i've kind of thought about wanting to do that because it seems super fun i was so i didn't want to say because you know we're just trying to get into the podcast but literally that whole introduction that you gave was very much like a commentator or like an introduction to like a a news broadcast so maybe Hmm. I'm not sure if that's the vibe I was trying to go for, but I will choose to take that as a compliment. Yeah, no, it was just very much like, ah, welcome back. Like, it felt very... Yeah, it felt like a news broadcast. Good. Your podcast about a a children's card game sounds like BBC News. I said news... That's very reassuring. I said news broadcast (laughs) doesn't have to be BBC News. There are lots of I was going to say great news po- news broadcast, but that's not true. There's lots of news broadcasters. And Magic is a game for everybody, not just children. <laughs> um, so by the time this uh, news segment comes out, um, you guys will know at home who has won the top eight and how that went down. At the moment, we don't know. Uh, since I'm not all that invested in historic, to be honest... I think my money is on Utah Takahashi. Um, what's Utah playing, actually? I, I feel I like what deck is playing. I think it's going to be Is It Phoenix. But uh, Utah is on Is It Phoenix? Yep. And yeah, I mean this is exactly his kind of deck. He was yeah. playing uh, Is It Epiphany in uh, standard. He's playing wasn't Is he It is Phoenix it in his dragons. Deck. Oh, what as in standard for this weekend? Yeah, for this weekend. Right. Yeah, I think he played Is It Dragons at Worlds, didn't he? And he won with he that. He did. And he won with that. Yes. I, I think he had more of an epiphany build uh, yesterday. This is um, what I mean. So yeah. many games, I can't even differentiate them from each other. Worlds was months ago, Sarah. <laughs> no, yes, but I know that. But I mean, like, I can't even... I assumed he'd be playing uh, Is It Phoenix because it's Is It? Not because I remembered him playing it yesterday or the day before, because I've just watched too many games of Magic. I think that's why I wanted to build Selesnia Humans, because those people were playing Selesnia Humans, and I think it just got in my brain. Yeah, you're just impressionable, aren't you? I guess so. I'm just an impressionable young lady. 
<laughs> you are an impressionable young lady. lady. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think okay, the um, so... I think creativity person is going to win. I don't actually know who's playing that. Uh, There's one deck. person yeah. playing. Is it creativity? Uh, sorry, it's Jessica. Jessica, creativity. Yeah. Uh, that is. Uh, uh, so the name is listed as uh, Yo Akaiki, uh, but I don't know whether it would be Akaiki Yo. Not sure. Uh, but Yo Akaiki, he's playing Jessica Creativity, Japanese player. Never heard of him before. Um, the, but the deck list looks disgusting and makes me want to throw up. So that's probably a good sign. <laughs> yeah, I just don't see. I think if you manage to pull it off, which you should, otherwise, what's going on? Then how how do you beat that deck? If you put enough pressure on them so that they can only indomitable creativity. So let's say you're playing humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're against a Jeskai creativity deck. If you put enough pressure on them and steamroll them and get their life total low enough, they may not be able to afford waiting an extra turn to cast Indomitable Creativity to get two Sarah's okay. Emissaries. Yeah. So they'll only be able to get one. They'll pay four mana, sacrifice one of their treasures or something. Um, they will get one Sarah's Emissary, give it protection from creatures, and now you cannot hurt them uh, and you cannot hurt... <laughs> their Sarah's Emissary, and the game is over, except for um, Giant Killer. So the main, normally the Selesnia Humans deck will run one single copy of Giant Killer in... That's one of the cards I've got. Yeah, uh, (laughs) in the main (laughs) deck. Because Giant Killer has the Adventure side, which is an instant, Mm -hmm. which the Sarah's Emissary will not have protection from, and it's destroy target creature with power four or greater. It's called Chop Down, um, and that is the only answer. But it's not just that it's a one-of, because uh, the deck runs four copies of Ranger Captain of Eos, which is one white-white for a 3-3. When it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a creature card with convert to mana cost one or less, reveal it, and put it into your hand. So playing a Ranger Captain of Eos lets you find that one of Giant Killer mm-hmm. in your deck and put it into your hand. And then you can cast the instant. So if, if you're playing a deck like Selesnia Humans, that is your out to the creativity matchup you have to put enough pressure on them that they just can't afford to put it off any longer yeah and they have to cast their creativity for one and get one sarah's emissary and then you have to have that one of giant killer to answer it and that is it sounds pretty tight and that's because it is but that's the only way you beat the deck Hmm. well i still think creativity just because bullshit yep fair enough um, I'm going to go with Yuta Takahashi, slightly less bullshit. Um, and he is a reigning champ, so I think he's a safe bet. Can't win all the stuff, though. Give someone else a turn. He's He, he literally won for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> a few months ago. Um, okay, so moving on from that, let's talk about the other big thing. The other big thing that has been announced this weekend, and that is MTG Arena Alchemy. So, Sarah, can you tell me about Alchemy? Yes, Josh, I can. 
See, that was like Thanks, a news. Sarah. That Moving was like on. that was like a news broadcast <laughs> as well. I'll just put you over to my colleague Sarah, who will go through alchemy. Um, so, alchemy is a new format on Arena that is going to be digital only. It's going to be standard style or standard, but with uh, digital only cards and the ability to rebalance cards on the fly whenever wizards feel like it, I guess. And that's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of... Um, it is... Think of it like Historic, uh, except it's just standard legal. So Historic has every card that's ever been put into Arena and a bunch of digital-only cards. Uh, mm-hmm. Alchemy is going to be the same thing, except it's going to rotate with standard and it's only standard legal sets yes but they have extra cards every time there's a new standard set there'll be i think maybe three extra cards or or something like that maybe i might have made that number up but every time there's a standard set i think they're gonna have new alchemy cards as well i think it's more than three yeah i think i I think i made three up yeah i think it'd be a lot more than three i'm anticipating like oh i know why i read i know why i read three you get you get three of something with alchemy when you sign up to play yeah you come here for the critical knowledge (laughs) guys when you sign up to play alchemy you get three of something yeah you get three alchemy posted you get three alchemy (laughs) boosters that's why what is an alchemy booster well that's why i said three of something because i was expecting that com- that question to come and i don't know the answer i, I don't know a-, a pack with three cards <laughs> no <laughs> an alchemy booster is a, a special booster pack with alchemy cards in it um and so digital only cards now we don't know yet what exactly those boosters are going to consist of whether they're j- they're probably just going to be like standard cards but they can have the alchemy specific digital only cards in them mm-hmm. which is good because that will be a consistent way to get those cards for historic as well yeah um which i don't think currently exists um so that is a slight positive um i am i'm not sure how exactly it's going to work but i would anticipate 50-ish new digital-only cards per set. 50? Um, hmm? 50. 50, yeah. Uh, yeah, the launch of Alchemy is adding 63 digital-only cards. Okay. Um, and uh, so if you pay attention to the timing, we're halfway between sets at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's how wizards are going to do it they're going to release a standard set and then halfway to the next standard set they're going to release an alchemy set which will i think be 50 to 100 new cards that are just for alchemy but that is a an, that is a guess and we'll see whether that, that actually happens okay um so what's different what else is different about alchemy um i thought that was it Okay. Um, it's so it's going to be an ever evolving play mode. That's what the literature says. Um, and wizards are going to 
rebalance cards regularly. Oh, so I said that. what they have said is that they expect cards to be rebalanced about once a month and those rebalances are happening not just on digital only cards they're happening across the board so what you have to remember is that when a new st- a new format is created to begin with everything is legal mm-hmm. and what's unique about alchemy is that they are not banning anything nothing is going to be banned in, in alchemy they are just going to rebalance cards um, to try and level out the format so the broken cards that are banned in standard at the moment the most prolific one being omnath uh which one is it is it omnath omnath locus of the omnath locus of the a locus of creation yes omnath locus of creation um so omnath is going to be legal and omnath was kind of the super villain of standard a year ago um Everything is going to be legal. There, there is no ban list in alchemy. Uh, but Omnath has been reworded slightly to make him slightly weaker. Um, some of these rebalances are more extreme than others. Uh, we're not going to go through all of them, but they are kind of just retouchings. So Omnath Locus of Creation, for example, has a ton of abilities. All of them are the same. Everything, I think, is the same on the card, except when it enters the battlefield, it will scry one instead of of draw you a card so it's a slight nerf um and then Ulrin's epiphany is the other kind of big villain in standard um and epiphany is getting some more complicated changes at the moment Ulrin's epiphany is seven mana and you take an extra turn and you get two one one bird tokens and you can foretell it for two mana and once foretold it only costs six right yes yeah um the alchemy the alchemy rebalance of this card will make it so that it costs seven mana and if you foretell it for two mana it still costs seven mana um so what's the point in foretelling it well now with Oron's epiphany when you cast it you don't get the birds unless it was foretold uh so now yeah. it is seven mana take an extra turn or foretell it and then seven mana take an extra turn get two birds okay so yeah it's a slight nerf um and it prevents those turns where you get galvanic iteration and copy a galvanic iteration and copy Aaron's epiphany and you get six birds and three extra turns which yeah. is just enough to kill your opponent no matter what now those copies even if the original spell was foretold those copies will not make birds so you'll get three extra turns which is probably still enough to win the game but only two think. birds uh but you'll only get two birds and so yeah the now Aaron's epiphany and galvanic iteration by themselves are not enough to win a game Mm-hmm. Uh, they need some support from other cards. You need some other threat. You can't just rely on those birds, uh, which is a fairly big nerf, but the card is still very, very strong. Yeah. Um, and that is the nature of these rebalancings. That is the philosophy behind them. They're not just trying to break cards 
they are bringing back like all the powerful cards are gonna still be around Mm -hmm. but they're gonna be slightly rebalanced to make them slightly worse and if they continue to be strong then they will continue to be nerfed until standard or uh, sorry i can't say standard anymore until Hmm. the alchemy metagame starts to look healthier yeah um so what do you think of this sarah what are your thoughts on alchemy well, I think it's great. I'm like, I'm, I don't really see why people are annoyed about it. If you don't like it, just don't play it. Like, it's just a new way to play Magic. Um, a chance to see how cards that maybe people really hate, how they play if they're a little bit less effective. A chance to get mechanics that we would never be able to get because they just physically wouldn't work in paper. That's really cool. That I think that's the one I like the most. The rebalancing is is a good thing as well, but like having digital only mechanics as well as cards, but mainly mechanics, I think that's a really great thing. And I know that has already happened a little bit, but I think the reason that it happened is because they were gearing up for the launch of Alchemy. I don't think they yeah. would have done it without Alchemy. And yeah, having absolutely. more having cooler things that you physically just couldn't do on paper is the only a good thing, right? It just brings more variety to magic um i agree with you on that point i don't really think it's fair to say or if you don't like it just don't play it uh because i think there are criticisms of alchemy that are totally valid um and i don't think that's a i don't think it's very constructive to just say well if you don't like it just don't play the game well i'm Um, okay so loads of stuff i don't like about magic um but no i'm so don't as in don't as in don't play alchemy that's what i meant not don't play magic at all if you don't like the format of alchemy don't play it however i think all i've seen on twitter is moaning without Mm -hmm. reason now if there is reason i'm all for hearing that and then maybe that will change my opinion but what i have seen on twitter is just people seeming like they're annoyed because there's a new toy in the playground and they don't like it yeah well that's because alchemy is not out yet and so the only people who have an opinion are the people who have an opinion without actually knowing what it's like Mm. um which are normally people who moan um and so yeah it's also not very constructive to moan about alchemy we don't know what it's going to be like yet um there are a couple of criticisms which i can totally get on board with Uh, but i do think that one of the main complaints from people is that this is this marks the official divorce from paper magic as in wizards i think that's official, a good thing wizards official divorce or or the what, what, what do you arena's mean official that? divorce but it's not i th- it's not i think paper. that alchemy is pretty much replacing standard um i don't like standard is still going to be available to play on arena but I guarantee you that in a year, most major magic tournaments will be alchemy and historic. Mm-hmm. Um, most events, the default way to play arena will be alchemy, not standard. Yeah. Um, and the development of cards regularly that are not available in paper will create a brand new format, which has never existed before, a brand new format that is not available to play on paper which Mm -hmm. is where our magic originated and this is upsetting some people and i think that that is uh, a bit sentimental and a bit silly to be honest um the problem with magic at the moment 
is that up until this point, without alchemy and uh, and rebalancing cards, um, it plays as a paper game, which mm-hmm. which worked ten years ago, uh, but it doesn't now, and I'll tell you why. Ten years ago, um, you had to play magic and learn from other people playing magic um with the invention of arena and the last couple of years we have tools like 17 lands and untap gg which collect more data than anybody has ever been able to collect before about magic um it's actually theorized um and I don't know what the source is on this. This is something that I just heard. But it's theorized that within the first couple of weeks of a new set being released on Arena, it gets played more than that set will ever be played uh, in in paper. Like in, in okay. events. Okay, yeah uh over the yeah over a table um and that is just proof of how many people play arena and Mm -hmm. how much they are playing it um you can play a lot more arena it's quicker it's more streamlined um and you it's much more flexible than you can paper magic yeah um and with all of those games being played all of that data is being collected by untapped gg by 17 lands by these these data collection services and all of that data educates decisions, educates what is good and what is bad, what is working and what is not working in a, in a much faster way than has ever been done before in Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we end up in this place like we are in right now where Standard feels pretty much salt. Like, we know what the best decks are, we know what the optimized lists are, and that's it. Standard is stagnant. It's not developing anymore. Yeah. Um, like, there's nothing else to really do but grind, but build a net deck and grind in Standard. Mm-hmm. And that that solving of Standard is happening every single set within a couple of weeks because of the amount that people play Arena. Yeah. And because we have access to that big data that we just didn't have with Paper Magic. Like we have access to things like uh, not only which cards are best in draft, but what is the average pick, like what is the average pack and pick placement of a card? And how many times does this card get picked and played and win the game? And like we have access to metrics that we just didn't before. Mm. Um, and it's it's like it's unreal how powerful this data is, um, and Wizards is already releasing way too much stuff, so yeah. we can't have a new standard set every two weeks. And so I think that rebalancing cards digitally is absolutely necessary. I think that Magic the Gathering needs to keep up with the fact that if if players are going to start using digital technology to play the game then wizards need to start thinking about how the game can be more digital if that makes sense um 
like wizards need to be more agile uh the game is not what it was 25 years ago and this is a hundred percent uh needed for the future of the game this divorce from paper paper magic continues to be its own thing commander continues to be the most popular format of magic it is the one that people enjoy the most and is most widely played um and that isn't changing that's not going anywhere uh alchemy is a new avenue to explore and it is it is needed It, it very much is needed anybody who plays arena regularly um i think will be on board with this the people who i've seen complaining i think have been primarily paper players yeah uh, this is a good thing for arena criticisms though nothing new nothing that we haven't talked about before so i don't want to dwell on it too much but i do want to say it in alchemy um it's been confirmed that if you own a card and it is rebalanced um you will not be compensated for that in any way so if you have if you go out on day one and you craft four copies of omnath locus of creation Mm -hmm. and you play it for a week and then the week after that wizards says okay this card is definitely still too strong we're going to rebalance it and they make it bad enough that you no longer want to play that deck yeah you have spent four mythic wild cards on it and you don't get anything back for that um now that's not surprising that's how i would have thought that it would work however that does make the economy of arena slightly worse and it's already the worst thing about arena and yeah the economy of arena is one of the worst economies of any game I've ever seen and wizards are making it a little bit worse with the way that they're implementing alchemy and they cannot keep doing that they cannot keep making the economy worse I hope it seems like they can and it seems like they (laughs) will continue to and it continues to be sustainable which is a real shame um I don't know how they could have done it better but yeah like um you can the difference with is that you can go out and craft a standard deck or buy a standard deck and you know that because bans and restrictions restrictions just don't happen in standard bannings happen but only in the most extreme cases so something like a seeker's chariot for example you can go and buy a seeker's chariot you know it's going to be strong but it's not good enough for a ban Mm -hmm. it's just not but what if it gets, and it has actually been rebalanced yeah. in Alchemy, uh, that exact card. And what if it gets rebalanced and then it's no longer good enough for your deck? Then you've just wasted potentially money and gems uh, and grinding time trying to get it, and then you can no longer play it. And this is not, it doesn't bode well. Um, and it's it's not necessarily a criticism of alchemy it is just an extension of this existing criticism of arena's economy which has always stood yeah because what happens i think i know the answer but um if a card is banned in arena you get the wild card back is that right or have i made that up (sighs) uh you do yeah you get your wild cards so oh wait hold on do you yes you do yeah i'm i i I thought that was right but i wasn't 100 sure so could they not do 
something like that. But then to counter, I guess, my own point and also yours, in paper, if a Seeker's Chariot did get banned, you don't get your money back from the person you bought it from. I know no, you still have but... a card that could maybe play another format so you could maybe sell it on, so I suppose it's not exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. But so, for example, we look at Oko. Mm-hmm. Um, when it came out on paper, Oko was going for like £25 per copy. Yeah. If if not more. Um, but it was so strong, people knew it was going to be banned. Mm-hmm. The people who bought it knew it was going to be banned eventually. Yeah. Um, and so... You know, if you were worried about that kind of thing, in standard at the moment, you wouldn't buy All Runs Epiphany because yeah, it might okay. get banned. Yeah. But you could buy a like you could you could build Mono Green, for example. You mm-hmm. could build that standard deck, and you could be fairly confident that you're playing a tier one deck, and that it's not going to get banned because none of the cards in that deck are so strong that they might be worthy of a ban. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so you can kind of play around it. However, the cards in that deck are definitely in scope to be rebalanced through alchemy yeah okay i see um the way that wizards should do it is simply you know if if rebalancings are going to be roughly monthly then each month cards get rebalanced and players get a message that says this card has been rebalanced would you like to trade in all of your copies for equivalent wild cards yeah and that's it players who want to keep playing it recraft the card players who don't Go and craft something else and play that. And it's so easy to do and it costs Yeah, nothing. that's kind of what I was um, saying, the same as what they do with banned cards. It's just you obviously get the wild cards back straight away because you wouldn't want to keep them in Arena. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a real shame. Um, and it, it just makes sense. I don't know. Um, yeah, because they don't I, lose anything it's... like that, do they? Well, no, they don't. Um, they don't. Well, what they do that... lose is, uh, and so some people have said that um, one of Wizards' problems with historic at the moment is yes, the buy-in is high, but once you're bought in, you are bought in. Um, cards are strong enough that they're normally it, it's rare that a deck gets pushed out of historic. Right, okay, so you could build a deck. Nothing rotates. And if you wanted so you to, could... just play that deck for your whole time playing Historic. Yeah, and then you, God forbid, you get to play Arena without spending hmm. money. Um, which is completely unacceptable. Yeah. Alchemy gets around that, and because it's rotation, uh, you, you're going to have to continue spending money uh, or grinding to keep up with yeah. cards that are rotating in and out with new sets because the, the power level will be lower than historic mm-hmm. uh new sets will potentially push old decks out completely um and all sorts of it's yeah it, it's gonna be it's gonna be uh economically a bit harder to keep up with and the economy of arena is so predatory already uh, and that's a bad thing. So I, I am excited for Historic. I think it's a really good concept. I think it's a really cool idea. And I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to playing it. My problem is Wizards' attitude with money and how they've chosen to implement Alchemy, which is 
a shock to absolutely yeah. nobody. Like, I'm not saying we should stop talking about it because that's just defeatist and that's not how things get changed, but it is the same. The problems with wizards always comes back to money. It always comes back to them not doing, like, thinking about their profit over the people that play the game. And we shouldn't stop saying that's a bad thing because then you're just rolling over. But yeah, I don't think it'll ever change. It is a bad thing. It's Because uh, it would only change it, if people stop yeah. playing Arena. And people aren't going to. I'm not going to. I'll complain about the fact that the wizards do this thing, but I wouldn't stop playing Magic just because of something they did outside of really horrendous things, I suppose. But like just yeah. them being money-hungry it's not going to make me stop playing Arena or Magic. But then also, I... I play Arena and Paper Magic very low cost compared to most people. I've never spent any money on Arena. Um, I just play and get coins, and when I get packs, I get my wild cards. I don't. I've never bought a pack. I don't think I've. Yeah, I've never put any money into Arena, and I don't really ever spent that much on paper either. That is largely because I've not bought most of my decks. Thanks, Josh for buying them for me <laughs> yeah you're surrounded by people who get really excited about decks they want to build but mm-hmm. they don't want to actually have any more decks so they just build them for you well no it's not <laughs> even that anymore like that is kind of what happened like you built me my earlier decks because you're a lovely person sammy built rin and Sari and then didn't know what to do with it so gave it to me now what is happening is people are building decks quicker than I'm building them, so I don't need to build them. They're not building them for me. They're building them for themselves. But I can just play them. Because <laughs> I'll be like, oh, I think oh, maybe I'm going to build a zombie deck. I'm thinking about building a zombie deck. And then, guess what? Jordan, my brother, built a zombie deck. Now I have a zombie deck that I can play whenever I want. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> so that's how you do it, everybody. Get people to either buy your decks for you or... Play with enough people that you have all the decks you could ever want without having to buy them. That's my tip. Yeah, basically cheat. Manipulate other people into getting <laughs> no, we can't what have you t- want. can't have two episodes in a row where you say that I cheat at magic. Well, we can't have two games in a row where you don't try and cheat at magic. So. <laughs> when? When is the last time I tried to cheat at magic? Never. I don't need to cheat. I'm perfectly adequate player so anyway um that's what we're (laughs) expecting from alchemy it goes live on the 8th which will probably be the day after this episode hits the air um we are going to be playing it so check it out i am looking forward to it um i think it's the 9th the 9th just just so we're giving people the correct information i believe it is the 9th that it comes out okay then Oh, yeah, that makes more sense. It's a Friday. Um, yeah, we are going to be playing it. And, you know, you, you can enjoy it without getting too caught up on Wizards' terrible economy management. Uh, mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that we'll ever shut up about that because <laughs> it does need to change. Yes. Finally, uh, the Arena Open was this weekend. And, Sarah, can you tell me what was different about this Arena Open versus any of the other ones preceding it? Um, did you make it through to day two? No. 
Um, thanks for <laughs> the <laughs> painful reminder. Um, well, I don't. I I'll be completely honest. I don't know what was different. I didn't know it was on. I feel like it's a bit odd to put it on the same weekend as a like magic tournament. Yeah, well, wizards don't give a shit about professional <laughs> magic. Um, um, yeah, I'll be honest, I had absolutely no idea it was on until the, the you said you played in I it. Bet. <laughs> the arena open, I bet, is a cash cow for mm-hmm. wizards. It is roughly £25 for one entry. And if you get seven wins, you get half of that back. <laughs> And you go through to day two. Uh, if you get six wins, you get a thousand gems back. So it's 5,000 gems to enter. So you Eesh. get a fifth of that back. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it is not very heavy on the rewards, but it's very, it's top heavy because if you get seven wins on day two, you get $2,000. And as um, many people that get seven wins on day two can get 2000 Yes. Okay. That's not... Well, I guess that's not awful. Also, sorry that I said, did you make it through today too? I feel bad now. But you caught me (laughs) off guard. I wasn't ready for that question. I didn't even know it was on. Super prepared podcast host. (laughs) Um, I spoke about alchemy. So what's different... What's different about this uh, Arena Open is that it is a draft. All of the ones before now have been sealed events. Okay. Uh, this one was a draft. I like this because I much prefer drafting. Um, and I did some prep. So I went and did a premier draft, uh, Crimson Vow draft, uh, before the event to kind of warm up my drafting muscles, uh, which don't really exist because I have only done like two drafts of Vow. And then my last draft before that was Strixhaven. So uh, I'm a bit rusty when it comes to drafting, um, but I trophied my warm-up. Um, I, I built a blue-green self-mill deck, which I managed to go, like, I think 7-2 with. Um, and so I was feeling pretty good going into the event. Mm-hmm. In the event, I built a really solid deck. I was super happy. Um, I built black-white control, which in... Crimson Vow is a life gain themed deck uh, with a good amount of removal and creature recursion. And you very much like grind your opponent out and then start winning the game once you have exhausted all of their energy. Um, So first Mm -hmm. game, I was up against Rakdos Control and I was on the draw. Um, And I lost, which is unsurprising because Rakdos Control is the best deck in this format. And being on the draw is the worst way to start a game. Um, so that was a decisive loss. Bad start. Then I was up against green-white, uh, 1-1 counters, humans, uh, aggro, I guess. And I won. Uh, I beat out the aggro deck easily. Uh, then I was up against another aggro deck, green-red, and I won that one as well. And I was feeling good. Um, then I came up against black green, which in this format is kind of high toughness creatures. Um, and I got really mana flooded. 
and lost that game. Uh, that was pretty much down to luck, and that was a shame, is what it is. Uh, after that, I came up against a blue-black deck, which is Exploit. It's kind of a controly uh, deck that revolves around zombies and the exploit mechanic. Uh, decisive win there. And finally, I came up against blue-green, which is hmm. the worst archetype in this format. It's self-mill and it's not great. And I lost by a hair. I uh, I got my opponent down to zero cards in their library. And all I had to do was oh. kill their Spawback Crawler, force them to draw a card, and then they would lose the game. And I dug through four cards on the top of my deck. Uh, I had two removal spells, which would work. Uh, I had 20 cards in my library, and I looked at four cards. I couldn't find a removal spell, and they were able to just kill me with a big attack. And so I, I went 3-3, which is not super impressive. But it was good fun, and it was a good deck, and I seriously enjoyed it. Um, and that's, I think, the best way to enjoy these open events is mm -hmm. to kind of write off the prize, write off the money, just see it as a fun, competitive draft to get into. Um, I think it could have gone further as well. I think that the first and last games that I lost were winnable. Um, there were mistakes that I made along the way. And uh, yeah, I, I do think that it was winnable. Uh, and I think I could have done better. Uh, and yeah, I had a good time. I definitely prefer sealed overdraft. And uh, I, I will only enter once. I mean, it's too late now. Uh, but yeah, I only ever planned to enter the event once. Uh, didn't win anything for it. But it, it was it was fun. Nice. I feel even worse now for taking the piss, but you're not making it to day two because that last game sounds really, really annoying. I would have been really salty. <laughs> yeah, I should have won that. I think, like, I'm thinking back and I think I killed a very big pack song pup, um, which I could have just chump blocked and killed a sporeback crawler. And if that opponent had drawn that one extra card, I would have won the game. Yeah. And I'm kind of, kind of gutted about that and maybe i should have seen it and i'm in line but yeah it was good fun no, you can't, uh, you can't and, do anything yeah, about that anyway. now yeah third or fourth or something um vow draft ever and fourth draft i've done in the last like six months uh so you can't really expect too much but no. i am gonna play some more limited i i'm really enjoying limited it's a fun limited set uh so i am gonna play some more yeah, I and think you're maybe, good at limited. Maybe you like two, building. Maybe I'll day two next time. Maybe. Anything's possible. It's called magic for Anything's a reason. Possible. <laughs> 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 Why? It's true. It is called magic for a reason. <laughs> um, okay, well, I think we should wrap it up there. Mm -hmm. yep i think that's it thanks for listening guys be sure to follow us on twitter at chatterstorm pod and we will catch you next time hopefully with all three of us bye
thanks for listening guys remember us to follow us to take two and that's not allowed to be the blooper no i'm gonna keep that